and welcome to the latest, greatest episode of Game Rivals. I am your one of your hosts, Maximilian X. Uh, together with me, as always, is the magnificent Sean Templar. How are you doing, Sean Templar? I'm good, I'm good. I've, uh, it's been a while since we've done this, so uh, I'm excited to get back into it. Yeah, same here, same here. Um, there's lots to talk about, even though we are in what was supposed to be the week of E3. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> of course, like most things, it was canceled due to the virus, which shall not be named. Um, but that doesn't mean that the video game news stopped. It keeps going. Everything keeps going forward um, in different ways as they would have normally gone. But, you know, we still have a lot of things to talk about. So let's just jump into it with uh, a bit of news that Sean Templar was I'm sure pretty giddy about. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming, I'm assuming because I know that you like this franchise and the fact that this is happening is, I'm sure, really cool for you. So take it away. Uh, yeah, I don't know if giddy is the right word. Uh, I would say my uh, excited, mind blown, surprised, happy, ecstatic, you know, just those words. Um Total War Troy, which is a game it's supposed to come out this year. It, it got a release date. It's August 13 or 14, I believe, that it's coming out. And yeah, in a surprise move, um, Sega made a deal with uh, the Epic Game Store that the game will be for free for the first day it comes out, which is uh, unprecedented because it doesn't happen that like that. Or it actually, I can't remember anything like that. Uh, the reason Sega gave behind the idea was that um, they want to introduce more fans to the RTS genre because, as we all know, and I've mentioned this a gazillion times, RTS games don't really come out that often anymore. I think like for 10 years ago, it was a, a, a flood of RTS games. And these days, it's like maybe one or two good ones a year. It's I think it's become more of a niche genre. Um, I, I personally love RTS games, but people know that as well. and. Um, so this is a surprise move. It's it's not a fully-fledged Total War game. So how it works is that um, Creative Assembly has their main Total War games, such as uh, Warhammer and, and Three Kingdoms that came out. And in between, they try to make these uh, smaller games that focus on a specific era. So for example, the, the first game they tried with this was uh, Total War Britannia. So it was a little smaller, smaller in scale. It, it didn't have the full-fledged retail pricing as well. It was a bit cheaper. And it focused Did on... the Vikings? Yeah, it focused on the, the barbarians and the Viking era in England of the time. So it was really focused on that. Uh, this one is focused on, on the Trojan War. Um, and it, it's supposed to have elements from Total War Three Kingdoms, but... For people that play Total War Three Kingdoms and in the uh, war stories that I have told, the heroes in Total War Three Kingdoms romance mode can be so strong that they can take on a whole army. Um, I had a match a couple of months ago in which my whole army got wiped out and I had two heroes left. And those two heroes literally, a la Lord of the Rings, butchered the whole enemy army and I still won the battle. Which was a pretty epic moment for me because I was playing co-op with a friend of mine and he was spectating. And when my army died, he said, "Okay, it's done, man. You're not gonna, you're not gonna win this one." And I said, "Okay, max casualties. We need to kill as much as we can so that when we strike back, we have a better chance of winning." So yeah, yeah, you should do that. And then 
all of a sudden my my two heroes go ham and they just slaughter the entire army and we were both like what the hell just happened i thought this wasn't possible so it's going to be less like that but there will be famous heroes like achilles and hector um i read some previews last week and the the focus is more on infantry combat so for example in the other games you have more horse you have cavalries you have uh, siege weapons and stuff like that so there's a little bit more focus on infantry combat and there's also a lot bigger diversity in the infantry units because generally in, in total in three kingdoms you have uh maybe two or three kind of spearmen two or three kind of uh swordsmen and then it's more like it's an entry level tier it's a mid-level tier and it's a high level tier and in some cases they're like legendary tiers but it's supposed to have a lot more diverse infantry combat and also Seems that I have lost my feed to Maximilian. Stay ah, with us. Okay, oh, you're there back. He is. Okay, was I gone? Okay. Yeah, you were like just like it turned gray and. Oh, that's funny because you were gone as well. So I don't know what. What's the last thing you heard? Uh, I think the last thing was where you were explaining, um, how the infantry was working. Okay. Oh, because it showed that mine was recording. So maybe I'll just. You'll have to edit it out if it's in there twice. So like basically, okay. the infantry is is uh it's more focused on infantry so there are a lot more diverse infantry units in there whereas with total war three kingdoms you had a couple of spearmen units a couple of swordsmen units and that was it so it was like an entry tier a mid tier and a high level tier but now it's supposed to have a lot more different kind of infantry units in it and it's also supposed to be like that the units have really specific roles so for example one infantry unit will be really good at fast attacks and striking so that they can quickly swoop in, deal some damage, and then pull back. Whereas, uh, for example, the, they gave an example that Achilles' men are really good at that. And, for example, Hector's men are really more defensive, so they can really hold a line and take more of a beating uh, while other units, for example, sweep around and flank them. So it's cool to see that, that you have those play styles because now with Three Kingdoms, it's always like, okay, I have my my super low units that kind of are just cannon fodder. And then I have my strong units behind it that protect my archers. So I try to kill as much as I can with my archers. And at the same time, while I hold the line, I have my cavalry flank in from the back. Um, so it's cool to see that you, you're going to have to change your strategy around a bit. Um, the funny thing is, is that the game also has a Steam page. It's had it since the announcement of the game. So this is kind of a strange move since... Um, the game suddenly got an exclusive Epic Games uh, release. Whole year. Yeah, so I don't think the people at Valve are happy with that. But hey, you know, uh, in these days, I think loyalty that's doesn't the matter. reason why they did the whole 24 hours thing. I think so as well, yeah. 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 To like nip it in the bud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I hope that this introduces more fans to the genre because strategy games, are it's, it's a pretty time-consuming genre. You have to really like it. But for example, I have had moments since Three Kingdoms came out on and off that I've played it for a really long time in a certain time window, and then I just stopped and I came back later. So since the release, it's I think it's almost been a year since it came out that I've had like these three or four moments that I play a lot in a short window, then I just stop, I play something else, and I always keep coming back. 
And I still have the base game with the free DLC they gave. So there are also expansion, mini expansion packs you can buy that add a whole lot of content. I haven't even bought those yet. And I've had so much fun and time with the base game. Funny thing is, is I always keep playing with the same hero because he's my favorite hero. But I've noticed that every time I start a new campaign, the campaign always takes a different course. And also because of the updates they bring out, the start of the campaign is never the same. So it's always something oh, okay. different. So every, every time when I come back, I have like this completely different experience. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. I didn't know this. So um, yeah, it, I even started playing Shogun 2 uh, last month. Um, but I noticed like I'm really used to th- Three Kingdoms. So when you when you kind of play that, you you want everything to be like that because it's just so complete and so nice. Um, so yeah, it's only... Um, Two months or something like that before to- uh, Troy comes out, so I can't wait. I uh, I hope I, I'll be able to get it on the first. Day. I was I was intending on oh, buying put, it I anyway. That, I put that stuff in the agenda. Yeah, but I mean, like, like for example, uh, last month GTA Five was free on the Epic Game Store, <laughs> oh, right. and they couldn't handle the traffic, you know. <laughs> so and in this case, you only have literally a day. To yeah, do yeah, and I, I wasn't. I wanted to buy the game anyways, but I mean, like, hey, if I can save money on buying the games, that's extra nice, right? Exactly. Yeah. So here's hoping Epic up their server capacity and uh, I'll just be able to swoop in, get the game, download it. Um, I don't know if I should play it on day one because I, sometimes Creative Assembly needs to, needs like this period to kind of get the game stable and patch it properly after game launches. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> well, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's. It, I mean, uh, when Rome Two came out, it was a complete mess. They uh, they admitted it. It was such a complete utter mess that they just went into this moment of that they stopped creating new content and they focused on getting the game up to a certain level of polish before they would en- introduce new content. But by then, I had already stopped playing the game. So when I went back, like two years after, it was really good. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just a new normal that people just bring out a game and it's not up to par and they just fix it afterwards. They shouldn't. No, but you know, it's the new normal. I think it's uh it's I mean it's it's UB's strategy for years now. So and you know, they know that they're good at it and they know that people forgive them for it, but wouldn't it be nice if just a Ubisoft game comes out and it's just good on day one? Mm-hmm. That would be something, all right. Especially yeah. the amount of people that work on those games. They, yeah, I mean, 12 studios, come on, man. That's a waste of resources if you can't get a game to work properly. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of getting something to work properly, um, Epic uh, Epic had to do that as well with uh, the Unreal Engine 5 demo, or specifically with Unreal Engine 5 in general, because... Uh, they had to partially rewrite the code of of the engine to uh, take advantage of the super fast SSD that's in the PlayStation Five, which is really cool if you think about. Oh, well, if you think about it, um, if you realize that um, an engine is built so that everybody can use it. Um, and it takes advantage of the systems that it's running on. So the fact that they had to do this is uh, showing the dedication, at least on their end, to have it run the best possible on uh, PlayStation 5. 
it also says that the PlayStation 5's SSD is something that even Epic has never encountered before, and they had to tackle it so that it would run the best possible on PlayStation 5. Which I'm really curious about, because what does that mean for the performance on the Series X? Um, I think this is not using a, it's not using it. an SSD that's as fast. Yeah, but I think in in this case, what what kind of happens is is you you kind of innovate to fix a problem, and then the innovations and the learnings you have from that will probably in a way trickle down into something that that's also beneficial for the SSD of the Series X. They might come up with a new compression algorithm or a new way of of coding or a new way of loading in data faster. So I think in the end. It will benefit the Series X as well because they're like, oh, we learned this and this and this and this, and we can also apply it on the Series X. So, you know, it'll you'll still have that bigger advantage or bigger difference on the PlayStation 5, but it won't be like, uh, it won't be a day and night difference as, a, as between a hard drive and an SSD. It won't be like that. Yeah. Um, well, I, that, also, that also goes back to what... Um... Uh, Cerny was talking about during that uh, GDC presentation where he was going on about how quick the SSD was and how they were going to make sure that even if you buy an SSD expansion off the shelf, that it would be compatible enough to work as a as an you know, extension because there's nothing yeah. that is as fast as what's going to be in the PlayStation 5, at least commercially, until maybe when the PlayStation 5 launches. And the same thing also goes for um, the whole deal with the backwards compatibility that the PlayStation 5 is just so fast that it's that it might present challenges for you know having that uh, the um, having backwards compatibility work as it's supposed to. So, I mean, I read an article the other day, and they said that, and I think that's that's true. They said that like. Yes, the PlayStation has such a fast SSD, but it's really proprietary and only first-party games will actually benefit from it and that third parties will basically just use it at the most basic level because they simply don't want to put the time and the resources in it to get it up to that level. So I think that first-party titles will like really, really shine when it comes to taking advantage of it all and in other games it will be just like faster load times maybe or something like that. I mean, I'm assuming that'll be the case until... Um, Unreal Engine 5 is out because I'm assuming the developers that are using Unreal Engine as their base of developing games, those will will those will have little problems once that is out, but that's still about a year or so out. Um, I am curious though what the comp- I haven't checked it out yet, but I don't know what the compatibility is right now with say Unity 3D as a game engine or uh, CryEngine, what is the compatibility there? We don't know. Um, we know that it Tech is also, you know, I'm sure that they're also working on compatibility with the next generation of consoles. Uh, I mean, these days, most people don't even build their own engine from scratch unless they're, I don't know, a big enough studio to do so. And even then, I mean, if you look back at, say, um, Square Enix with the Luminous engine, the only game that ever really took advantage of that was Final Fantasy XV. 
And that's probably because they had to work real hard to get that engine to do what they wanted. I mean, for Final Fantasy VII Remake, they used Unreal Engine. So yeah. even oh, though they've invested so much into their own engine. But I think that we're getting to the point that it's more viable to use middleware and to use something cust- uh, uh, kind of pre-made instead of... I think like only first parties will actually build their custom engines because they get the time and the resources to do it because exactly. there's also a kind of an expectancy of them to say like, okay, Naughty Dog, you are one of our best studios. We expect you to create a game that will show the true potential of our new console because your game will sell units equaling more money and resources for you to make even better games. So it's kind of like a win-win for the studio and the publisher. Uh, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. But if, um, if for example, because if I'm thinking about it, I can't really think of a Sony game that um, uses Unreal Engine or may, they, they probably have in the past, but these last few years, I mean, Guerrilla has their own engine. Naughty Dog has their own engine. Uh, Band Studio, the guys behind Days Gone, I think they have their own engine. And it's also because, and then maybe that's mainly attributed to how Sony deals with it, is that within Sony Worldwide Studios, there's this technology group that shares technology internally. So if the guys at Guerrilla have a certain technology they develop for their engine, they either share their insights and their knowledge around it, or they just share the whole engine because uh, the Guerrilla engine, uh, I forget the name, was something with the Decima. Decima, mm-hmm. for example, powered Death Stranding, but it also powered Until Dawn. So it's also being used in other games. So they constantly keep sharing their knowledge. Same goes for the God of War guys. They work really closely with Naughty Dog, for example, for technological stuff on them. So within Sony, there's this culture of sharing technology, whereas um, you can see it. EA is trying to do that as well, but um, it's not working as they would want it because EA is kind of trying to push everybody to use Frostbite. But mm-hmm. Frostbite is is built as an FPS engine first, and I mean Mass Effect struggled with it, uh, Anthem struggled with it, so FIFA struggles with it. Yeah, so you know there's the 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 good and the bad side of go- doing that. Yeah. And I hope that if they're, I hope that if they do, actually, the thing that I'm hoping for is that um, Dice actually makes a new version of the Frostbite engine that's just like an engine, not an <laughs> engine that's specifically made for a specific kind of game, because that was, um, that was the issue that previous Unreal engines had before, right? Yep. They were specifically made for first-person shooters. Um, like I think with Unreal Engine two or three is when they tried to make it a bit more malleable, but again, you only saw that it was only being used in first person games. Yeah, or with third Unreal person. Engine f- or third person, which yeah. still didn't look that great. But with Unreal Engine four, they totally made an engine that is viable in multiple settings, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. I remember um, that not uh, so much not so much open world, but still decent enough. Yeah. I, early Unreal 3 engine had uh, a lot of uh, texture popping issues. So you would see that in mm. Gears of War and in other games that the game would load the level and then and maybe 10 seconds later it would load in all the textures so you would get all these details pop in all of a sudden like pow and then like whoa wow this is pretty detailed. Whoa. <laughs> and it would happen all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. 
Oh man, that was hilarious. Yeah. Oh man, it still kind of happens with Unreal Engine Four, though, depending on the game. Like depending on the developer, depending on the kind of game, it still happens. It, it, like, it's still in Gears Tactics. Uh, I've seen it a yeah. couple of times in Gears Tactics. It's maybe less, or they kind of hide it in a good way. But for example, with I remember in the beginning of the Unreal Three Engine days, it was a big difference. You would literally be it will be almost like an explosion happening of details like bam and I'm like oh wow okay wow this looks good after 10 yeah. seconds <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, that was fun to see though yeah but who knows man uh, the future is uh, the future is what they make it and uh, i guess we'll see in 2021 how that looks like for unreal engine yeah I mean, uh, they said that uh, Unreal Engine 5 is coming out l- like later 2021 besides mm-hmm. Fortnite and all those stuff transitioning to it. So we'll get an early glimpse of it. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, Unreal Engine 4 already runs on the PS5, they said. It's going, there's going to be like an update that's going to do it. Um, but after you've seen what the Unreal Engine 5 does, you kind of don't want to wait and... They're like, oh, but we know that this super cool, amazing technology is coming. Why don't we have it right now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I guess it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of time, what is, uh, what is the next article? Well, we have, uh, we can go from uh, basic things like, uh, well, we'll go over with a simple one. EA Play was supposed to happen this week and it got postponed by a week. We understand, mm-hmm. of course, due to the things that are happening in the in the news and in the in the world. Um, Sony had a reveal event planned for last week. They also pushed it. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, they announced a, a, a new date, which is tonight at mm-hmm. 10, our time. So yep. um, it's going to be really By the time you're listening to this, it would have happened and you'll be hearing what we'll be talking about. So, Well, I don't know if people will be able to hear because if it is what I think and hope it is, they, their ears will hurt because of my super excited voice screaming into this microphone that I just can't wait and I'm so super please, stoked. Please, please, please don't. I'm plugged in with earphones, so please don't. Everybody should get <laughs> a doctor's appointment for their hearing tomorrow, so... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, um, um, that's yeah. gonna be wild. Though. Yeah, um, Destiny yeah. had a stream yesterday, I think. Uh, yep. You watched well, it. It, I had a, it, had a, it had a stream on Tuesday. Okay, that was yesterday, yeah. right? Yeah, for us. Oh yeah! Wow. <laughs> Way to I, break the immersion, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting that. Oh yeah! Oh wow! Yeah. Oh sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So Tuesday. Um, yeah, and um, they had a they had a thing. It. I just read the. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. yeah. It was it was it was serene. I mean, the way it started, they um, they started with uh, a moment of silence. And when I say a moment, um, the moment was the, the eight minutes the, and forty five forty eight minutes. minutes and forty yeah seconds that the police officer had their uh, neck in uh, George Floyd's uh, or knee in George Floyd's neck. Yeah, that was pretty. Uh, yeah, pretty uh, intense. So that was also really um, weird to see in the chat because I was watching it on YouTube, and you know you still have those very insensitive people that were just like, "I just want to see what you're gonna give us while you're doing this." Luckily, most of the people in the chat were supportive of that they were doing this and showing solidarity. Um, 
You know what my, what my yeah, issue is but... the whole thing? Because, I mean, and I'm going to be honest with me, and people might give me some hate for this, but that's just the way I see it. The things that are happening in the world, we're in this unprecedented time that we are, there are things that are coming out that we, that it, it, it was, it was like a, uh, how do you say that? Um, a pressure cooker waiting to explode. So it's good that it's happening. Yeah. We, we, this is an issue that has been there for years, for decades, and it's, it's, it's finally time that we address this and that we find a solution for it. The only thing that I don't like about it is that certain companies start to do it, not because they believe in it, but because they do it more from a, well, we have to do this, otherwise we will get bash, backlash from our customers or from our fans. So we just are doing it for brownie points. Yeah. yeah. For example, I started up Call of Duty the other day. Uh, it's been a while since I played it, and I've, I'm constantly being bombarded with uh, Black Lives Matter uh, and a lot of text around it in the load screen, in the in the in between screen between loading the map when you start up the game. But it really felt like we're doing this because otherwise people will hate us or bash us, and not because we believe in this cause and this is an issue that we need to address right now. Same goes for social media. You know, there are, I see influencers and whatnot all uh, just talking about, I'm like, don't do this to get more followers or, or new fans or whatever. Either do it because you believe in it or shut up because otherwise you're going to be like a war profiteer and you're just going to profit off of it and then nobody will believe it. No? Well, I, I can't speak for every company or influencer or what have you that does it. I do feel like the reason why um, Activision did it for Call of Duty is because that is one of many hotbeds for like racist slurs being thrown around yeah. during yeah. live chat and stuff and something yeah. that they've been very poor in addressing. So yeah. I think the reason that they were doing it is partially because they want to, but um, not just because they feel like they have to, but also partially because they feel like they have to because they know they would get the backlash because it's something that they haven't properly addressed uh, for years, not just in the current Call of Duty game, but in previous Call of Duty games as well, just not being able to um, create... Ah, good grief, I hate saying this create a safe environment where people are not disrespecting each other uh, based on their race or gender or what have you. So I get that they did it in a kind of overcorrecting way, um, but I can't speak for others that are doing it just to get brownie points. But I do get your point from, uh, at least from like companies, you know, trying to get into it. Some companies, like for example, like when it happened, um, Sony immediately responded to it. Yeah. It wasn't, and it wasn't like a knee-jerk reaction. They were very, um, they were very respectful of it yeah. in their communication with it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there are some companies that are legit behind it and are legit showing their support, um, but it is hard to differentiate because they are companies and they're not people. They represent people. They're yeah. just not. You know, it's a company. It's not in and of itself a person. Yeah. So it gets a bit harder to, you know, I just, I just hope that, whatnot. Yeah, I just hope that this is something that, that will finally find a solution in a way that, that really solves it. Because it's kind of like with the Me Too stuff. It, it's it, going to take time. Yeah, but like now that this is happening, nobody's talking about Me Too, for example. Like it's all about, Me Too was a thing in the, in the news for a while and then that's kind of died off. And now this is, and I just don't hope that it, 
dies off, kind of like yeah. But with me too, it had an impact, like an impact to a degree where, um, like even if you're not hearing about the movement anymore, you're still feeling the impact of what that movement represented, what it did. Yeah, you do see the changes coming out more and more, which is good. Which is which is the point of a movement. Just yeah. because you don't hear more about the movement doesn't mean that it's not doing its thing. And with this, I really hope that this movement is not just a moment in time, but it's something that continues to push the conversation forward. Yeah. And it also continues to push changes for the better. Yeah, I feel like since we've kind of gone in the Me Too direction that it's more accepted that we get female lead characters in games. Because before that, it was really... I mean, people have said this, developers and, and publishers have said this, that getting a female lead character that the player plays with is a risk and that they don't want to take that risk in some cases. So I'm happy to see that um, because they're afraid that the audience might not like it or whatnot. So I'm, I'm happy to see that games like Horizon, Tomb Raider, I mean, you play as Ellie in the new Last of Us, that there are companies and, and developers that, that just say like, oh, but this is something that just makes sense and it's normal and it feels right to do this. So I kind of hope that mm -hmm. this happens as well with Black Lives Matters, that we kind of get a different people, different person, people of color in different roles in games so that that also is more of a, a nice representation of society instead of um, just white people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow, that was a tangent. <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's hard to ignore that that's happening so i think it would be strange if we didn't really address it like no. i feel that the way we address it is a bit more normal than that we kind of try to profit off of it because i would feel a horrible person if i did some brownie point speech around it because you know that's not yeah. how we are exactly especially yeah. since you know half of game rivals is black so I was about to say that. <laughs> that would be really odd if you, that would be strange. It would be really awkward if you did. Yeah. If, and if I just like if, if we just did that, that would be just be super weird. Uh, yeah. Um, We're not that political, but, so that's that's a benefit. No. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah, we were talking. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like I said, tangent. We were talking about Destiny Two. Yeah. So. Yeah. After the after the eight minutes uh, forty six seconds, um, the presentation started. It was recorded in May. Yeah. So it wasn't addressing. Well, it wasn't addressing the current the current climate that we're in, but the current climate we were in at the time. So you know the whole virus thing, um, and they addressed a couple of things that people were worried about in terms of Destiny 2, now they're independent, and how they want to keep the narrative going, and they want to keep the promises going. Yeah. Um, they, um, they, had, they admitted the fact that the, um, the content they were pushing out beforehand wasn't up to the standards that they promised, Yeah. Um, and that's something they want to change, which is great, because um, from what I heard from people that play Destiny 2, um, the earlier stuff was not that excellent. I mean, the stuff that came afterwards um, was way better. And hopefully with the content that they announced, it'll improve in uh, quality. And that's also what they've been promising. Uh, they announced, I think, let me look at that real quick. They announced a bunch of uh, new content. Um, 
So the first thing that they're going to do is the the first the first expansion that's coming out this year, which is called Beyond Light. Um, the second uh, the second uh, thing that they announced uh, for their year five. Wow, year four. It's been four years. I don't know. Wow, are we in for the wow. I bought I bought the Destiny two when it came out. I played it for a month, and after that, I never touched it again. So, wow, holy smokes, four years of Destiny two. All right, so yeah, so this is year four Beyond Light. So twenty twenty one is uh, year five, uh, which the that expansion also has a name, which is called the Witch Queen, and year six, um, which is it was slated for 2022 has the tentative title of lightfall yeah so that's a lot of content um that is that i've planned out they've also planned on um moving content into the what they call the the destiny content vault because you know as you keep expanding a game it keeps getting bigger and i think um i think luke smith said that currently Destiny with all the content that's out is 150 on PlayStation 4. And if they just keep adding to it, it's just going to keep getting bigger. And that's just ridiculous. Um, so what they're going to do is they're going to put older stuff um, that is not really active anymore, that people are not really playing. They're going to put in the vault and they might revisit it again in the future. Um, uh, maybe even tweak it so that it, uh, maybe, well, not even maybe. They, if they were to revisit like older content, they would tweak it so it makes sense for the current version of Destiny Two, which is a really cool concept. I'm kind of curious to see if that works. If they can use that to keep the game file smaller, yeah, yo, more power to them. Yes, yeah. seriously. Games are getting ridiculously huge, and you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. We oh talked my about God, that. God, the stupid uh, size of uh, Call of Duty. I mean, it's I think it's 200 <laughs> gigabytes right now, or it's go, going over oh, 100, no. 200 gigabytes. Oh, I that's mean, terrible. Yeah, man, come on. <laughs> yeah, so Destiny has an interesting future in front of us. Uh, they said that they're not. They're focused and they're committed to bringing Destiny 2 or the best Destiny 2 experience to players, to fans, which is great. They're not focused on doing a new sequel because a new sequel means, um, you know, working on a new engine just to accommodate. And that's why they introduced the vault. Yeah. Because otherwise, if they weren't going to introduce the vault, they might actually have to work on Destiny 3, which would mean that they'd have to stop working on content for Destiny 2 to make Destiny 3 a reality. So that's not something that they're doing, at least until 2022. Um, what happens beyond that, we don't know. If they go the full uh, MMO route and just become like the shooter version of World of Warcraft, which is still going strong to this day. I can't even believe that. Um, yeah, so cool. Um, it was about... 40 minutes maybe i think maybe even shorter than that um yeah they, they showed a couple of trailers and like that's it yeah and they also mentioned uh that it's coming to next gen that it's going to run in 4k 60 fps which is mm-hmm. nice because stadia doesn't do that and uh <laughs> i'm sorry i just had to drop that one i just Shots had to do that one it was such an easy one 
And um, if you buy it in the same console family, you will get an upgrade for free to the next gen version. So if you have the PS4 version of Destiny and you have all the expansions or you just have the base game or whatever, all the content you have on the PS4 will transition over to the PS5 for free. You don't have to do that. On Xbox Series X, it supports smart delivery. Um, Next year, they will make sure that you can get... uh, Cross generation, cross generation play in so that you if you have a PS4, your friend has a PS5, you can play together. And then later, they also want to do inter cross console so that if you have an Xbox, I have a PS5 that we can just play. As, and I think they also meant Xbox One, yeah. But I think they also meant Xbox One, PS5, PS4, and Series X all in one lobby, so that there's basically that is no ambitious, difference. By the way. Yeah, I mean, because it's never been done. Like, if that's the if that's the goal, if it's not just PlayStation Five and PlayStation and uh, and Series X, that's huge. Because I don't think outside of you know PC, it's ever been done. Yeah. So yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I kind of hope that it's going to work, but you know, yeah, it's it's one of those things that. Um, I have crossplay turned on on Xbox on a, uh, PlayStation for Call of Duty. I don't really notice a big difference, but maybe if people in your friends list don't have upgraded to the latest console, it'll still be nice to be able to play with them. Exactly. Also, I think the whole point is that you don't notice that they're on Xbox or on PC. Yeah. You know, unless they keep sniping you, then you know, oh yeah, that's probably because <laughs> they have that you know that mouse fidelity and the keyboard fidelity, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about real quickly is uh, a big, big, big article um, from uh, from the one and only Jason Schreier, now working for Bloomberg. And uh, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get into details into that too much because it's like a really long article, and otherwise the news segment is gonna be way too long. But basically, what happened is. Um, this past December, the team working on the sequel of Kerbal Space Program for Kerbal Space Program Two, um, dang it, what are they called against the Star? Uh, hang on, Star, Star Theory. They're the ones working on the sequel. They um, got jacked. <laughs> and when I say got jacked, I mean um, they uh, Activision, who now holds the rights to the sequel, by the way, just the sequel, not the franchise itself. Um, they were working with Star Theory to have this game, you know, be made. And what happened is negotiations fell through. Activision canceled the light, the 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 agreement they had with Star Theory, and then had them sent out LinkedIn invites to people working at Star Theory to come and work for a new studio that's working on Kerbal Space Program 2, which was them. Yeah, that's kind of a dick move. Yeah, like I've heard of corporate uh, corporate takeovers, but this I've never heard of this kind of corporate takeover before, where they basically took more than half of the staff over to this new development studio, which was called Intercept Games. Like, really? Like, kind of a bit on the... Oh, sorry. What did I say? Activision? I meant 2K. 2K, yeah. Uh, yeah, 2K. Like, uh, uh, Take-Two Interactive. Um, 
has the license, not Activision. Activision wishes they had the license. Um, but uh, yeah, like they just they just blatantly said. Uh, I think most, if not everybody, on the team uh, linked in invitations to like you know switch jobs on a job they were already working on. And the people working there weren't even aware of this happening. So they just suddenly got this in the mail. And they're like, wait, well, but we were, we're the ones working on like this game. How is this even happening? The article goes into like great detail. So I do recommend um, hitting up Bloomberg and looking up the, the article itself and, uh, and going into the details of that. But basically what happened is they took, I think, more than half of the staff. Um, Star Theory had nothing because they were just contracted to make the game. They don't own the IP. Um, so they were left with less than half of the staff. They had to scramble and come up with new game concepts so they can shop around to uh, publishers during GamesCon. Oh, uh, GamesCon. I mean, uh, uh, GDC. And then the world happened and GDC got canceled. So they didn't have any way of pitching their the their projects, and they had to shut down in March. So Star Theory does not exist anymore. Um, Kerbal Space Program 2 got delayed to 2021. It was supposed to come out this fall, but they had to delay it due to, you know, the world happening. But also, I'm assuming, because they had to move half of the team over and probably had to hire more people to fill in the holes in that new um, development studio. So yeah, and that and people working from home. So of course it's going to get delayed, but wow, it's delayed till like next fall, which is a really long time away. I thought the game was going to come out in early access. Sorry? I thought the game was going to come out in early access, just like Kerbal 1. I don't think so because I think they actually contracted them to like have it hit the hard release date. Mm, okay. Except we didn't know what the release date was because I'm assuming that was this this was an internal release date that they had for the game. Yeah. Yeah. At least one positive though, the original developers uh for uh, for the for the first Kerbal Space program, they still own the rights to the first game, so they're still updating that one um you know, whenever uh, so yeah, so that's gonna be interesting to see. I know, like I said, there's one person that we both know that is probably really disappointing that the game got delayed till 2021 because uh, he was. I, uh, I spoke to him and he was pretty upset. <laughs> like up and in the table upset. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, is he's playing Kerbal on his play. He's been playing Kerbal for years on his uh, computer. And now he switched over to the PlayStation and told him, why? Why are you doing this? You know it's the lesser experience. And he said, oh, it's more challenging with the controller. So I kind of wanted to try that. Yeah, but you don't have mods. I know. On PlayStation. At least I don't think so. Anyway. um, Yeah, so that's it for the news. So stick around and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to our second segment. It's kind of like the teaser for the third one that we all know everybody's been waiting for. I know I am. Um, so let's kick it off with what we've been playing. So, Maximilian, what have you been playing? 
Well, uh, there's not a lot that came out that I wanted to pick up. The one thing that I really wanted to pick up, I did, uh, which is uh, Xenoblade. Yeah, good grief, I really hate the Western name. Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Like in Japan, it's just called Xenoblade, so I usually just call it Xenoblade. But yeah, the Definitive Edition for, for that finally came out. Uh, right in time for the 10-year anniversary of the whole franchise, uh, which is this week as you're listening to uh, this episode. And uh, yeah, this one is very special. Because when it came out, it was a game that was already out in Japan for uh, for at least a year or so. And people were really up and about it. And luckily for us, Nintendo of Europe decided to localize it uh, a year later. And we got it. Um, it is... It, back then, it, like if you look at the graphics themselves, like the character designs are not that good looking. Because it looks seriously like something from the PlayStation Two era, because it was a Wii game, <laughs> but the um, the scale of the game's world, I mean, it's semi open world and it really shows. And the fact that they were able to pull it off on Wii was astounding, because you had these really big open vistas and really big caverns that you could explore with creatures going around, and you're just exploring and you know doing quests and killing monsters it's a really like impressive game like to even back then the fact that they got the that they could have it to run on a wii on that grandeur was amazing and then they parted it to 3ds yeah i have no idea why they did that i guess they wanted to they they had to have a game launch with the new 3ds which took advantage of the extra powerful chips that were in there and it looks fine on 3DS, uh, um, but yeah, like it didn't need to be on there. Uh, but now it's on a system that is really good, the Switch. Um, they used the uh, Xenoblade 2 engine to port it over, so it looks like Xenoblade 2, and it has kind of the same problems that Xenoblade 2 has on Switch wherein there's um, popping of uh, foliage when you're walking. So like in the very distance, you won't see foliage. And when you're walking, it just magically appears. And there's a lot of foliage in this game. Um, so it, it, it can be kind of distracting. But, you know, like any good uh, JRPG, it's all about the gameplay. And oh my goodness, there's so much that they fixed in this version that truly makes this the definitive edition of Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, a lot of it is just um, quality of life changes they made to how you play the game. So one of the biggest hurdles of the original game was that the HUD was just way too big and was covering at least 75% of the screen. <laughs> because you had, on one side, you had the, the, the health bars of your three party members at the bottom row you have these actions that your character can do and at the top you had the information about the battle and stuff like that so like a little piece of the screen was just seeing what the battle was and that could be very distracting and very hard to keep up but now you can see way more because the hud's smaller and in hd and slick and it makes for a very better, uh, very better, oh boy. It makes for a better gameplay experience. 
The other thing that they also changed was the way they track subquests. And this game has a lot of subquests from like back in the original Wii version. That's one of the reasons why I never finished playing that game because I was so busy doing all the subquests in that game. And it's so hard to keep track of where you need to go, what you need to do for all these subquests that at a certain point I just gave up on it. Now it's very easy to keep track of everything. So I'm doing all the subquests while I'm doing the main quest on the side. I always try to make sure that I do all the subquests that are available to me at that point before I move on. And That's so what far, I said to you about RPGs, right? That sometimes yeah, that you so don't like. much that it's just overwhelming and that you just don't know what to do anymore because there's so much content in there. And like, okay, I just don't want to play it anymore because <laughs> I just don't know what to do anymore. I mean, I had that with Mass Effect 3. I had that with The Witcher. It's just a shame because it's good to have so much content, but at the same time, if it's too much, then some people are like, okay, I'm done with this. What's next? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this one also has a lot, but it's optional, like any good sub side quest is. But the fact that you can track it so easily and it shows you where you need to go... Um, is like a friggin' godsend because a lot of the subquest relies on you finding items that are just lying about in the world. And it's very, like, next to impossible to just go out on a scavenger hunt and look for them. Now it shows you on the map. It shows you how to get there. It's super easy to do. And the rewards, depending on the, 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 the side quest, are as small as... You know, just getting some experience and maybe an item to getting like really good gear that'll help you, you know, overcome the next thing in the game. Um, like I said, the game looks gorgeous. Like it is really pretty. It runs smooth. I don't think I've seen anything other than the pop-in of um other the pop the pop-in of the foliage happen. So other than that, I haven't seen any frame rate issues. Um, I've had, I've hit, I hit one snag with a boss, which just keep, it kept killing me so many times that the game was like, oh, we see that you're struggling with this boss. Maybe you want to play on casual mode. I'm like, <laughs> it seems to be like the new normal with games these days. Why? Like, I get it. I get it. I get that you want your 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 like new players to come in and experience the story and the story is a pretty cool story in and of itself but don't force me to use casual mode eventually i did beat it without the use of casual mode i just needed to reap like i needed to think up of a new strategy to tackle the boss and that new strategy like instantly worked which was great so right now where I am in the game, I'm in chapter seven. It's not like a big spoiler or anything. Um, I'm in chapter seven of the game and I'm almost to where I was originally back on the Wii U. Or, or the, not the Wii U, on the Wii. So yay for me. <laughs> so I'm determined to finally finish Xenoblade like from start to finish and also do the 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 um, the epilogue that they added for the definitive edition called uh future connected which uh 
it from what I've seen from from uh, uh, reviews of the game, it ties up a lot of loose ends that the original game had. Um, the original in the original game they were supposed to tie up some loose ends, but they didn't have the time to do it, so that stuff just got dropped, and they essentially repurposed those ideas into this new epilogue. That's nice. Yeah. So. I'm really curious to play it. I mean, you can play the epilogue right from the get-go. If you're someone who finished the original game, I'm assuming that that would be a bit more of a, a draw. Uh, but since I never finished the original game, I'm going to do that first, and then I'm going to play Future Connected. Right. So that's what I've been playing, you know, other than my daily uh, Animal Crossing check-in. But, you know, you guys have heard enough about that. <laughs> check into Animal Crossing if you still wanted to know about that, but that's about it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, wait, I did do one other thing. I tested PlayStation Now. Oh, you told me. Maybe you yeah. can tell people how it was because I played it years ago. It was... So, remember how I'm very enthusiastic about GeForce Now? Yeah. Yeah, just supplant that enthusiasm over PlayStation Now. Oh, so they because actually... Least... It's better than it, than it was because a couple of years ago, um, it was... I played Red Dead Redemption... Uh, and it was emulating a PS3 game, and when I would pan the camera around, it would sometimes stutter, even though my internet connection was good, according to the PlayStation Now check. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if you played Wired or not, so I do have to give that caveat. My PlayStation 4 is Wired, um, so that might actually help. I'm assuming that had, that helps with the stability, because when I played GeForce Now Wired on my uh, MacBook Pro, that helped with the stability as well. Even though playing wirelessly on with GeForce Now um, was fine. Every now and then I would get a hiccup, but wired, no hiccups whatsoever. Um, PlayStation Now also has the ability for you to download um, PlayStation 4 games that are available on the surface to your uh, hard drive so that it doesn't have to stream. The thing that I do want to talk about real quickly, other than the fact that it's a, it's been a smooth um, experience. I played PlayStation 2 games. I played PlayStation 3 games. I played PlayStation 4 games on PlayStation Now. Everything was smooth. I didn't need to download anything. But the one coolest thing is that I played um, uh, Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4 mm -hmm. on GeForce Now and it detected that I had a save file I think you on mean PlayStation my cloud. Now. Yeah. You PlayStation said, Now. You said GeForce Did Now. Did I say GeForce Now? I, <laughs> I mean PlayStation Now. So you know how if you have PlayStation Plus, you have your saves in the cloud? Yeah. It detected that I had a save file in the cloud, and it asked me if I wanted to port it over to, like, copy it over to PlayStation Now. That's pretty cool. It did it, and it worked right away. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like, that if is you wanna, really cool. Like, if you want to save space on your PlayStation and play the games, this is a way to do it. I think this is perfect for you since you don't have any space on your <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I was even able to play Control, and I have to agree. Control is friggin' weird. Yeah, it's really cool, and it's really pretty, but it's just, I, as I said, it's like you're walking it's really into... Weird. Yeah, you're walking into the movie theater, and you just walk into a movie halfway through while it's already playing, and uh, I can't... I don't know what this is about. Uh... I don't know what to do. You know, it's it's literally that. 
that well that and the fourth wall break that they like it's the weirdest fourth wall break because the main character keeps talking ever yeah, you'll find to... if you play the game you will find out what that is about so there is some explanation oh, okay. later on but you have to play a bit for that okay i only played like for maybe 20 minutes or so so man that that, that opening spot was so weird yeah I know. Like, I, I i've played weird games but like this is like next level yeah. So I uh, yeah I don't know um but yeah I so that's what I did I tried out PlayStation Now um would I recommend it for ten bucks a month? Sh- actually, sure. Yeah, maybe around these I times mean, if, it's not a bad investment. It's not a bad investment for now. I don't know what that's gonna look like when the PlayStation Five launches, but if you're um if you're in the market for playing games that you wouldn't have otherwise, there are a lot of PlayStation Four games on there. That maybe some people haven't tried yet. Um, do take into account some games are not on there permanently. Um, Control is not on there permanently. I think there was still a month left on that game um, on the service, and then it just disappears. The same goes for Spider-Man, which is weird. Um, but yeah, that also has a limit. That, that also is going to be on there for at least the next couple of months, and then that's off the service as well. So just keep that in mind. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been, that's what I've been playing. Nice. What have you been playing, Sean Templar? Well, to be honest, I'm having one of my dips again that I just don't feel like playing anything. So mm-hmm. I, well, I started playing, uh, the Uncharted collection again. So I finished one and then I was started, I started playing two, but I remember that the, uh, the remastered trilogy for Uncharted doesn't support HDR. So it's some it's so dark that I just can't play it. So I really have to play at night. And when it when it's under specific circumstances, I tend to like yeah, you know what? Never mind. I'll just play something else because I can't wait till dark until I can play this game. Um, mm. So I start and then I suddenly realized like, oh no, The Last of Us is coming out in two weeks. I need I still haven't finished The Last of Us remastered again because I wanted to play it again just before I started to. So I started playing that, and I basically finished it in, I think, like in a week. Um, It's cool that um, I only played Last of Us once on the PlayStation 3, and I finished it then, which is almost like uh, maybe 10 years ago? No, 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 less than 10 years ago. Like seven, eight years ago, Hmm. something like that. So, um, yeah, it was actually really nice. I, I remembered bits and pieces of it, but some parts I completely had forgotten so for example the part where you meet sam and henry um i had completely forgotten about you running into those guys um (sighs) yeah and uh i had also forgotten of uh of nolan north's character um i forgot the guy's name uh he's the guy that leads the bandits that you play the part where you play as ellie you meet him in the wild and then he gives you the medicine to help uh the penicillin to help Joel. No, that's Henry. No, 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 no. Henry and Sam are the the guys you meet, the brothers you meet in the city. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, because Sam gets bitten, and then you shoot. He he's get he gets shot, and then Henry kills himself, or the other way around. I'm gonna look this up. I thought that Sam and Henry were the two. The two hunter guys that are the the that gave that gave uh, Ellie the the the, the penicillin. 
No, Sam and Henry is the brothers are the two brothers that you meet in the city when you get ambushed by it with the car, and then you kind of play that segment, and then you've run into them, oh, and right. then they yeah, leave you, yeah. and then um, they uh, eventually find out that Sam, I think Sam, the little guy, was bitten. Yeah, the two kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, and then ah, right, 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 they blame right. you, and then he kills himself before he kills his little brother. Yeah, and then uh, no, that was. That was dark. That was dark, yeah. Yeah, but the, the Nolan North character, what's what's the guy's name? I want to know. Because uh, it was such a strange voice for Nolan North to do. And uh, David, that's the guy's name. David, yeah, you're right. You're David. right, David, yeah. Yeah, the guy's it's voice. Scum by, of the earth, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he was voiced by Nolan North. But Nolan North speech speaks in such a different way that you kind of don't realize it's him. Because normally yeah. it's basically normally in all the Nolan North games he does it's basically uh, Nathan Drake's voice in a different body, and here it was like this Nathan Drake that's kind of zoned out because he's been drug dosed or something that he's on this on this this, this relaxation medicine that he's like, oh hello there, oh if you want I can help you with the penicillin, but maybe you should tell me who you are. Yeah, he speaks in such a manner. Whereas in, in yeah, in, well, well, maybe it's also because he eats people. Maybe, yeah. Well, at least, at least it's implied. I'm still not 100 percent sure on that. One, I think but, that's what know, that's 100. They hack up sure. people, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I forgot about that part as well. So it's really cool to <sighs> kind of see those parts back. I'm like, oh, I forgot about this part. Oh, and I forgot about that part, and I didn't know it was this in there. So it's a, it was a really nice uh, reminder for me to kind of get back because um, I had forgotten it all since it was years ago that I played it. So I was really happy with it. And then... Um, David is the worst. One of the one of the most pivotal moments for me in the game is where... So the way you, you, and you saw this as well is that in the beginning, Joel hates... I wouldn't say he hates Ellie, but he doesn't like Ellie. He's really keeping distance. And then when you get the bill, he's a little bit more supportive of her and he's a bit more kinder to her. And then you kind of notice that they talk about Sarah and then he's like, oh, okay, I don't want to talk about this. And he starts to dislike her again and distance himself from her. And then they start to grow that bond again. And the real changing moment is when she takes care of him when he's hurt. And then she freaks out when David tries to kill her. And then she chops David up with his machete. And then it's the first time he he grabs her and he says, it's okay, baby girl. And that's kind of that that turning moment in which you see that he really sees her as his daughter uh, and she kind of sees him as his dad. And then, for example, when they get close to the fireflies at the end, he says, hey, when we get out of this, I'm going to teach you how to play a guitar and stuff like that, which is pretty cool because in The Last of Us 2, Ellie can play a guitar. uh, Mm -hmm. So it's it's really cool that you you can... really see that journey in which they grow together and then in the last of us two trailers joel is always mentioned as ellie's old man so they really have this bond um so it's, it's really cool and that's why i'm also really looking forward to the last of us two because like it's it's one of those few games that you kind of get invested into it from an emotional standpoint because it's it does something to you and that's what i really like so i'm really curious to see uh, what's going to happen? As I said before, I kind of think I know where Last of Us 2 is going to go because um, in the trailers, you see that Ellie starts to develop this relationship with a girl and they, they kind of fall in love. Um, I have the feeling that 
she gets killed somewhere and then Ellie wants to take revenge on it because I don't think Joel's going to die initially because Joel appears in some of the segments where she says that she's going to take revenge. Um, Normally, I would say that's a pretty cliche story, but knowing Naughty Dog and kind of reading the headlines there, I think that revenge story will be really interesting because maybe they'll do something that you'll see that Ellie is really struggling with all those decisions and choices and on what to do uh, instead of going uh, uh, going rogue and just killing everybody gets in her way, which can still be fun. I mean, kind of reminds me of the old God of War games, with, which could be cool, but uh, I don't think The Last of Us is really... God of War, Ellie edition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then she suddenly makes a cameo in God of War 2, and then, uh, you know... Uh, She's just palling around at Kratos. <laughs> yeah, so like, it, it's really interesting to go to see in which direction it's going to go. Um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I mean, it's mm-hmm. next week, and then there is one uh, thing that I'm happy about that I saw in the in in um, in the gameplay that they showed in the state of play a couple of weeks ago. Ellie can swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can. Swim. Oh my goodness, that was so like no offense, but that was so annoying. When it when you have when you had to traverse water areas with Ellie and you had to pick up of um, floating debris so that she could stand on that, uh, at least the only thing that, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I was what I didn't like and that's more like a design influence is that there are these parts in The Last of Us that you have to find a ladder, grab a box, find a pallet for Ellie to swim on or to to get over a certain puzzle. And they tra- they kind of it, that was inspired that inspired the way Uncharted Four was made, but they overused it in Uncharted Four. So there are too many segments in Uncharted Four where you have to look for a big box on wheels to get over the next puzzle, and that's kind of one of the criticisms a lot of people had for Uncharted Four, um, which kind of ruined the experience because the puzzles were so basic in that way compared to the other last of uh, Uncharted games. What is cool to see is that. They took a sort of minimalistic approach in The Last of Us to uh, HUD and interacting in the world. Um, and that, that carried over to Uncharted as well. So in Uncharted, it's really minimalistic. It's more immersive, which is really cool. Yeah, all right. Cool. And that's uh, basically what I have been playing. I am thinking, I am checking, have I played something else? I don't think so. Um I did something fun with a couple of friends of mine. A couple of friends of mine play Assetto Corsa Competizione, which is a, a, a racing sim. It's focused on GT3 cars. And um, they have their own league. So they have this competition every week that has tracks in it. Uh, and then they run their league and they race in it. So last week I was asked by them if I would want to help them live stream their game. So what we did is, is we did a live stream to YouTube and I was kind of like the, the camera director. So I had this whole panel in front of me in which I could switch between the cars and I could do the replays and stuff like that. It was it was pretty fun. I'm, I'm not a huge GT3 fan. I mean, I like Formula One cars better and I like Formula One games, mm-hmm. but it was cool to see that. Um, what's cool about Assetto Corsa is that they laser scan the track. So the, the, the tracks are, are in there to the smallest of details. Um, so it's really cool. They have a, a huge selection of tracks. Um, it is a game that came out of early access recently. So there are some basic things missing in there, such as leaderboards, which is a strange thing because you would expect a race game to have that as a bare minimum. Um, well, maybe they're work, maybe the, um, 
the online infrastructure is something that they build on their own. So that be, might be yeah. why there's no leaderboard yet. Yeah, because they also don't support mods, for example, which is this game scream, screams mods. But, you know, it could be that they add things later on. Um, but, yeah, that that's, it was nice to see. Uh, maybe we will have the guys over and have them do some fun stuff around Assetto Corsa. We'll have to check with them. I, I think they're interested. I don't know if we have a lot of racing fans out there. If we do, let us know, and we can maybe do some special things around that. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I downloaded uh, Minecraft Dungeons. I've never played a Minecraft game, but this kind of looks nice, and I have uh, Xbox Game Pass, so I thought, you know, might as well just try it out. Um, so I did that. I mean, I, I, the download just finished, so I might fire it up in a bit and see what happens. Cool. Right. Well, let us know what it's like. Oh, FYI, Minecraft Dungeons is basically Diablo with a Minecraft skin, so... I like Diablo. If so. you've played Diablo before, then I think you should be fine with this. That's From nice. what I've heard. Yeah, because I played the, the Diablo 3. It was my first Diablo game, and I really liked it, so... Alright, cool. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's it for this segment, I believe. Our PlayStation... Five games reveal section extravaganza extravaganza will uh, <laughs> will be after this segment so definitely stick around because i think you will all like it or if you can hear it because of the excitement in my voice at least i think it will be really really exciting i'm getting pretty hyped um I don't expect Sony to disappoint us. If they do, well, then you won't hear from me for the next foreseeable future because I'll be crying in a corner. <laughs> but, you know, it's just... Let's hope for the best. Let's keep it at that. Stick around. We will be back with the PlayStation 5 reveal. Whoop, whoop. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to our last segment. I'm trying to um, not blow your ears out because of the excitement that I'm experiencing. But we just had the Sony PS5 reveal event or the future of gaming, as Sony called it. And boy, oh boy, was it good. Yeah, man, that was... Um, wow, that, that just... It just underscored how rushed Microsoft's inside Xbox thing was uh, about a month and a half ago. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this was like they took they you can really see that they took their time to prepare this uh, this digital event. It was um, pre-recorded, but it that's the, I think in this case it was a benefit that it was pre-recorded instead of them doing something live with people having four eighty p webcams and crappy audio this was sleek professional just the thing you would want normally if they do an event it would be the same kind of level but mm -hmm. i think it's a great format they used for the for the digital event yep yep kind of wish the states or plays was as slick as this but you know well i think that uh, maybe this is a, a a direction they're heading because the ghost of tsushima the uh, the um, last of us Nothing state of plans were really good because yeah, it focused on one game and it had a specific theme throughout the state of play they wanted to show 
And I liked how they, for example, the Ghost of Shima one was really stylish as well. They had like these cool transitions in between that fit mm. the style. And they did that for the PlayStation reveal as well. I just got sick and tired of all the the, the squares and the circles and the X's oh, in a gazillion ways. Yeah, can we get that one out of the way? Because that was, because that, I honestly feel that that was just, teasing the the fact that they were going to show the, the the box yeah which or, they did by the way or or or, or should i say b- boxes maybe we should get that one first out of the way <laughs> yeah let's get that out of the way okay. so that we can talk about the games yeah because that's that's something they nailed they showed the box and Finally. a lot of people were oh, like a lot of people were like uh, I hope they show the box. I hope they show a release date, and I hope they show the price. Like, okay, release date and price is never going to happen. Maybe a release yeah, window. Yeah, going to happen in this. Uh, yeah, but they need to show the box. If they didn't show the box today, they wouldn't have gotten away with it because people would have seriously made an issue out of it. Yeah. Um, it would be too suspicious if they didn't. Yeah, because then, then they gave us a lot. It. Yeah, but to be honest. Okay, so basically, there's going to be two editions. There's one with a disc, which is called the PlayStation 5. And there's one without a disc, which is called the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition. Digital Edition. Yeah. And um, to be honest, the inspiration from the DualSense controller kind of flows over to the way of the console. It's really futuristic. It it has the two-tone color scheme, so black and white. Um, Mm -hmm. It's... It's something different because Sony's never done something like this. Um, so I think that kind of fr- puts emphasis on that this box or this PlayStation is something that will show the future of gaming. Um, I just read online, somebody called it a trophy that you win at an award show, which was kind of spot on. It does look like it. I, if I look at it... You mean from my, the front, right? Yeah, if I look at the front picture, it reminds me of... a. Of a Formula One trophy that uh, the first uh, uh, the, the the first person would win in the race, kind of like that. Um, the only thing I don't like is that if you buy the normal version with a disc drive in it, it it kind of sticks out on the side. Um, yeah. Probably due to cooling, they couldn't integrate it in the middle part. But that you know that's fine. I th- I'm thinking about buying the digital edition anyway, so I won't have that issue. It looks like one of those. What is it? I I don't want to say Alienware because Alienware designs are just really yeah, but weird. I heard that, but one it kind of well. looks like one of those like really. Actually, let me no like now that I'm looking at it again, it looks like one of those um, gamer PC laptops by yeah, a- but but specifically a version. That, oh, dang, it was a Steam machine. Ah, like there was a Steam machine that had like similar color scheme so black and white that one was horizontal mm-hmm. but this is like it, you stood that thing up and it's that and it just looks a bit more sleeker than that yeah and yeah it looks like some weird ut yeah it looks like a weird gaming pc like sleek blade thing yep this could be the a trophy that you get at the game awards when you when your game gets best game of the year. <laughs> and maybe Jeff Keighley will do that this year. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so we we get a normal PlayStation Five and we get a digital edition. Besides the looks of it, they shared that there will be a media remote, there will be an HD camera, there will be a DualSense charging station, and there will be a 3D audio DeepSense headset. Which is cool because I think that will really sh- make the Tempest engine really pop and really sound the way Sony intends it to be. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about getting that because you know that would be nice. I think. Um, besides that, yeah, they they kicked it off with. I think almost everything was either gameplay trailer or in engine. So there's no no CG stuff in there as far as I could see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge list of games they showed. Some of them are exclusives. Some of them I think will be third party. Um, w- one thing that stood out to me was that they had a, a great mix of indie and triple A. Um, mm-hmm. And what also kind of stood out was that um, Sony really, and that's, I think, the difference between a Sony and a Microsoft is that Sony can really lean on its Japanese developers or its Japanese third parties to make content for the PlayStation that really looks nice and looks interesting, whereas Microsoft kind of has to beg Japanese developers for (laughs) content because they showed a space game um, you're you're kind of like an astronaut walking in, I think, New York City or Tokyo. Um, it looked pretty cool. Kind of gave me Death Stranding. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's Pragmata, it's called. Pragmata, thank yeah, you. Yeah. It's developed by Capcom. It looked pretty cool. I re- I initially thought it was an expansion for uh, Death Stranding. Uh, maybe like yeah, because, yeah, if you look if you look at the helmet of the of the astronaut looking yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. So so that looked really cool. It's coming out in 2022. Um Another game they showed was, uh, I'll specifically mention the Japanese ones first, is uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, yep, which was announced two years ago at uh, Bethesda's E3 event. Was it two years ago or last year? That, that was, was it last? No, I don't think they had something last year. I think it was last year. Was it last year? I don't know. I don't remember. It was um, it's a game. It, it was at Bethesda's E3 thing. Yeah. That, yeah that's for sure. Yeah. And, um, I think it was last year because then you had that super enthusiastic Japanese lady being like, oh, you know, and she got all the, the following online and everybody loved her. And, you know, mm-hmm. anyways, um, it's a first person. <laughs> it, it's a first person. I wouldn't call it a shooter. I would call it a first person magic horror game. I would say horror, maybe. It's uh, a first person game. It's yeah. like the game takes place in first person. In Tokyo. You do, in Tokyo, you do... Um, kind of these buddhist hand gestures to uh expel what i'm assuming are ghosts and specters something like um, that. it looks yeah. really it looks really funkadelic um i'm actually looking forward to it because that looks really weird um that might be a multi that might be a multi-platform i think it was confirmed for multi-platform yeah okay yeah yeah um, Square is doing a exclusive for the PS5 called Project Athia. It, yeah, like why? Why? Like why? Yeah, yeah it, the, looked really the, pretty, it wasn't but... gameplay. It looks pretty, but it wasn't gameplay. It was all pre-rendered, and it doesn't even have a fixed name. So, yep. It's kind of what the. <gasps> it says designed exclusively for PlayStation Five, so it is an exclusive. Yeah. Um. It didn't have a release date, so it's not like it's coming out in 2021. We have no idea when this is going to come out or if it's even ever going to come out. So, yep. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll put it in a Japanese category. Resident Evil 8 Village got announced. Uh, for yep. Next was, year. Teased for, was teased for quite a while. Yeah. People, there were already rumors going around what it could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there would be first person again, which it is. And yep. the ending was weird because the ending, I, 
there was a guy at the end and the the character that you're playing calls him Chris. He kind of looks like Chris Redfield, but I never played RE7. Me neither. Did you? Okay, so I'm pretty sure that nobody from the original RE storyline ever made an appearance in Resident Evil 7. Because that was kind of the point. Because they wanted to do something different. And a reboot. Exactly. It was kind of like a reboot thing to the franchise. So having Chris Redfield in this is kind of weird. Because that because now I'm not sure if this is a continuation of RE7. Or if this is something completely different altogether. I think it is probably a continuation of RE7. Does it also look had the same style and the same first person view? And uh, it also started with this story is this is is the end for this person or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it it probably looks like a sequel. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it could be a sequel. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find it here somewhere. Nope. Uh oh yeah there it is yeah so it's supposed to come out sometime 2021 yep so look forward to that I'm assuming that that's also a multi plat so I, I can't imagine it being an exclusive otherwise it would have been mentioned it probably yeah true yeah um going off further um uh, Polyphony yeah Gran Turismo uh, showed 7. off Gran Turismo seven yep it's Gran Turismo right. I don't have any. I don't have a stake in these kind of things. It's a simulation racer. Yeah. I've tried uh, GT games. I mean, it's fine, but it's not my my biscuit. It's not my thing. Yeah, I'm. I've played Gran Turismo in the past. I know people that uh, a good friend of mine is really hooked on Gran Turismo Seven. I, I mentioned that uh, he switched to Assetto Corsa now, uh, but he played like Gran Turismo Sport for years. Um, and he was really, I was talking to him during the event and he was really excited about Gran Turismo 7. So, um, he, I think he's going to definitely buy it. Um, I don't think it's going to come out this year at launch because generally what we've seen is, is if a game is packed, is, is state is going to come out this year. They mention it in the trailer that it's going to come out this mm-hmm. year. Maybe they'll do it later on, but initially it is, uh, uh, they mentioned in the trailer. Um, another thing they showed off which was something a lot of people wanted, I think. Was it Demon Souls remake or remaster? Well, that was also, like, I, I that was rumored for a while, and that rumor has been, like, sparking up yeah. over the past couple of weeks. Yep. So, yeah, that was confirmed here. Yeah, it's done um, by the Bluepoint and uh, Jap- Japan Studio, so uh, it's probably yep. in good hands. And this is also a PlayStation 5 exclusive. Yep. Because yeah. Demon Souls is because Demon Souls was a PlayStation exclusive uh, title. So. Yeah, it kind of kicked off the whole Dark Souls uh, kind of games. Mm-hmm. And then I think we had all the Japanese games, and then we kind of go in. Did we? Uh, just checking. Uh, yeah, because Capcom did two, Square Enix did one. I think that's it. And then yeah, we go uh, into the Western games, and then maybe we can. Save the Sony things for last because those are maybe the obvious ones. Okay, so let's start with what they started off the whole, um, the whole event with. I didn't G- expect that one, by the way. It was so strange. 
that was that was a really weird reveal because the first thing that they showed was this this history thing of uh, PlayStation starting from 1994 all the way up to 2020 or or 2018 or something like that. Yeah, and then it switched over to GTA Five, yep. which is really weird yeah. because you know GTA Five will now be this. I think this is like unprecedented. There has never been a game that has surpassed more than one console generation. Because yep. remember, GTA Five started off on Xbox 360 and PlayStation Three. I know it didn't even come to PC until. I think the next generation versions came out. Yep. So PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, and now it's also coming to PlayStation 5 sometime next year. I think in this case, it has to do with that... Backwards uh, compatibility? No, not, not even that. But it has to do with that GTA Online is such a big game and it's it has so much content in there that it makes sense for Rockstar to bring it over because everyone that all the PS5 owners will get GTA Online for free. Yeah. So I think that for them at it's a no-brainer launch. at launch. Yeah. So I think it's a no-brainer for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I hope they. It feels like they kind of um, disown. This is, that's that, also, that, by the way, a ridiculous deal a gta for free at launch even if it's not a new one yeah yeah I, I, it kind of feels like they're neglecting red dead redemption um but yeah i mean it does make sense if gta online is such a big game why would you did, waste did red dead Re- did red dead redemption online even take off like proper mm. like are people still like talking about that online aspect or playing so it before it came out rockstar said it was going to be bigger than gta online but eventually i think the response and the reception was so mixed and lukewarm that people eventually just stopped playing. But that's maybe also because it missed a lot of stuff and it still misses a lot of stuff. Basically, one of the cooler features of GTA Online is heists, which you don't Mm -hmm. have in Red Dead Redemption, which is such a no-brainer to do because just gather your posse and rob a train or something or, you know, ride into town and rob shops or a bank. I mean, it's such a, a, a basic feature you would almost call it and it's not there i mean it's uh, i know a guy a friend of ours he used to play a lot of gta online and then he was hyped for red dead online and then he went he switched and he didn't like it he went back eventually went back to red dead but he still didn't like it so he's now playing fallout 76 i believe really yeah because he has a, a in his words he has a a tendency to get addicted to stuff really quickly and this is easy so he can get addicted to it hmm. yep weird yeah and then maybe it's better that he didn't find out wo- about world of warcraft because otherwise we'd lose him to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <sighs> but yeah so gta 5 and then i'm skipping the oh. game oh yeah oh plus um a little extra thing also starting i think starting from now every month PlayStation um, Four owners. Uh, PlayStation Four owners will get a million uh, in-game currency for GTA Five every month until it launches on PlayStation Five. Yeah, yeah, that was 
cool, I guess, if you're into that. I don't play GTA Online. The load times are so killing. That might actually, I might jump into GTA Online on the PS5 if they kind of fix the load problems. Because uh, sometimes it literally took five minutes. And now I'm like, okay, I'm not going to waste five minutes of my life. <laughs> I'm going to skip the game they, uh, they showed after that because that's a Sony game. Um, okay. I'm going to skip this one because that's also a Sony game. So I'm just going off the list that we both have in front of us. Um, Arcane Studio showed a game called Deathloop. Which was also, um, because I thought it looked familiar, and then I realized, oh, it was also announced during that same event where they showed, where they also announced uh, Ghostwire. Oh, I couldn't remember it. it. When I looked at the trailer, it reminded me of a Tarantino movie meets Dishonored, basically because Arcane is the the developer of Dishonored, but like like they grabbed Dishonored and they grabbed a Quentin Tarantino story and they added a spice of Edge of Tomorrow, the movie to it, and then they threw it in a blender and this is what came out. Looks pretty cool. Looks stylish. Um, looks very stylish. Yeah, it looks very stylish. I don't know if it's a co-op or a competitive game because. That's not co-op because the main character is basically being hunted down, and there's one other character that's hunting the main. Well, yeah, so I'm wondering if it's competitive, so, maybe, or um... I don't think it's competitive. I think because I don't know if this is a single-player game. If it's a multiplayer game, then I think it's asymmetrical. Yeah, I don't. So know. the idea would be cool if it's a co-op slash multiplayer game that you're both trying to kind of. One is the hunter, one is the hunted. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, but that's not co-op then. That's yeah, then it would be multiplayer, yeah. Or mm-hmm. maybe that the game eventually pushes you toward uh, that you have to work together or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I, well, hope this, I, I, ho- I hope Arcane Studios sticks the landing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, I, I mean, Dishonored and Dishonored 2 were pretty good games. So I think that this will probably turn out well. I think that they have to be clear around the messaging. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of messaging, Hitman 3. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's coming out in January 2021. I I don't know, but I think it will be episodic like the previous Hitman 1 and 2 because that was also episodic. Um, but we don't I, know about that. I don't think so because they got a lot of flack of making it episodic. I thought uh, because they made it episodic, it was interesting because also they as a studio could benefit from it. Otherwise, because if they don't find a publishing deal, they basically can't make a game. And by making it episodic, I've seen sales numbers for because of the episodic part, and it was apparently better than releasing a full box game. Really? Yeah, it was a, there was a documentary on it on Noclip, and they go in depth around why they changed their model to an episodic game. And it was kind of a make or break moment for them. If that won't work, the studio would go bankrupt. Um, and it worked out really well for them. All right. Yeah. For them. Yeah. Um, they teased that they were going to show a little bit of gameplay, but they didn't. It was like a really quick show reel, maybe like 30 seconds. Yeah. 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 Don't like that. That, that, that is also a thing. Don't say like, you're going to show something and done half ass it. That just reminds me of the Xbox thing. Yep. Um, but that looked really cool, and it's also concluding that storyline um, that they started out with that with the previous games. Yep. So um, I think they called it the world the world assassin storyline. 
Yep, because it's yeah, so. kind of like a uh, asymmetrical, interconnected world, and it, it's. I have both the games. I have not put a lot of time in, but it's pretty cool. It, it has this kind of live game element to it, which is pretty cool because they introduce, uh, for example, assassination missions that are only available for a certain period of time, and they're still woven into the story. So you kind of want to finish it before the mission disappears. Mm. Um, cool. They showed NBA 2K21. I'm not a basketball player game kind of guy. Uh, that was in engine, according to them. Yeah, but you know what the uh, funny thing is, and that's what that's kind of the thing that was with a, a um. Let me say, like, I don't know if it's fifty percent, but with a couple of the games that I saw, I, I thought this game could easily become be a PS4 game, or this game yeah. could easily run on PS4. Because with NBA, I really had the idea that they added some things in there to make it look like a PS5 game, like uh, the sweat drops and stuff like that. Or maybe the details in the shoe, but his face and his facial animations and the detail in his face—that was not that could easily have run off for PS4. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, the 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 games that do seem like they are either gonna be multi-platform or multi-generational um, are the ones from third party. So yeah, you know, you can't really fault them for that. Oh, um, no, I mean, yeah. We're also in the transitional period because it's we're gonna see that with a lot of games, it's gonna be easier for developers to focus a little bit on the PS5 version or to crank a few dials up, but not actually put the time and effort into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to ah, uh, not going back to actually, this one was published by uh, Gearbox. Yep. Uh, Godfall, which was um, shown shown in quotes. At the Game Awards last year, yeah. Um, now we have a full reveal trailer, and it looks at least a whole lot less generic than that reveal trailer. Yeah, um, I kind of like it. Looks it. interesting. Yeah, I, I, one of the things that stood out is that the armor that the characters wear is super, super detailed. Also, um, super, super shiny. Yeah, so it it really reminded me of like a, a Dynasty Warriors kind of game, which I personally love. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm actually, it's coming out this holiday season, 2020, so it'll probably be a launch game. I was actually pretty excited when I saw this trailer. With the first one, I was like, meh, it's pretty generic, as you said. But when I saw the gameplay trailer, I was like, oh, okay, this could be interesting. No. I'm, I'm at least intrigued by it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still holding my reservations on it, but it looks intriguing. Yeah. Um, and that... I think, yeah, there were some indie games in there. Goodbye Volcano High. I have no idea what that was about. I have also no idea. It seems like a visual novel kind of thing. It kind of reminds me of uh, that Square Enix game that they published. Um, that the the Life is... It kind of reminded me of Life is Strange. Yeah. hand-drawn. Yeah. And instead of, you know, human beings mythical creatures that are humanoid yeah yeah i don't know kind of weird yeah um i don't know yeah i mean there were a bunch of other stuff that also kind of really threw me off uh like far shore the what now jet the far shore jet the far oh right yeah thank that you that was also something like uh okay it's also coming out this year i was like uh, i don't know i almost thought it was a dead company kind of game the guys behind flower and behind the uh, journey but it's mm. something completely else 
Yeah. Yeah, that looked. Uh, yeah, that looked weird. Yeah, Solar Ash as well. It, it was that was one of those really artistic games, but I thought, man, this will this could be well just will be a PSN downloadable game. Yeah, Solar Ash is coming from the guys that brought us Hyperlight Drifter, which that one was a pixel art game. So this is the I think their first fully 3D game that they're releasing, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Jet the Far Shore was done by the guys. Was it? Was this one the done by the guys that did? Um, was it this one? I think it was. I think this one was done by the guys that did. Um, what's it called again? Sword and Sorcery. Uh, don't know. Doesn't ring a bell. It's a that was an indie title that came to like pretty much everything. It started off on uh, on iOS. Okay. Has really amazing. It has a really amazing soundtrack that was also pixel art two D. Okay. Um, or am I thinking of something else? I think that was Jet. I don't like know. the music is f- like totally out there. Um. So yeah, that was that was super weird. Yeah. There were a lot of super weird games. By yeah, box like Max. little box. <laughs> Um, your nightmares for the week? Yeah, it was. A, it's from the developer behind Octodad. And I'm like, okay, Octodad was pretty cool. I never played it, but it looked really cool. But this is just so freaking weird. Yeah. So uh, bugs that um, that have merged, I think, or a new species of bugs that are edible foods. They're they can be fruit. They can be hamburgers. Apparently. Yeah. Um. They can be just a rack of a rack of uh, uh, ribs, your like, sausages, and when you eat them, they become part of your body. Yeah, that was so weird. That was really weird, and they apparently can Voltron uh, together to become some kind of disgusting. Horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the end was kind of like a horror game. Like, oh my god, what's yeah. happening here? You know. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. The uh, little devil inside looked actually really interesting. I don't know what was going on there. Me neither. But they, they, I really like because it. the trailer is really interesting because it starts off with this old man just going about his daily life, and then it suddenly cuts to this explorer doing like. Really cool exploring things, fighting enemies, you know, like fighting creatures and exploring. And then it keeps cutting back to the old man doing mundane stuff. You know what I just realized? Maybe the old man is the future version and the younger guy is the past version. See, that's what I thought, but I don't think so. What I think, if, if if you take it away from the title, Little Devil Inside. Yeah. I think it's part of his imagination i don't know but it looked really really stylish i like the art oh, yeah. direction yeah, the art it, direction it, it, it kind of reminded me of a of a monster hunter breath of the wild kind of game it it was really pretty and was really weird and I think like there's a giant cat that could... i don't know like Look, there's not enough okay. information in that in that that makes me go like that was open world um it looked weird. Like it looked interesting enough for me to go like, okay, that looks really cool. Um, uh, I want to play this one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like yeah. I, that one, I do. Like I 
totally looking forward to that one as well. It's also speaking of humor in, which is kind of funny because there's the one part that he's on the toilet and then he drops something and then the older guy takes a thumb. Really funny. <laughs> that was so well timed. Yeah. The dude drops a bomb and it just like <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah, turd. Drops a turd. yeah I, I love that one. Like, oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Gross. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, weird, um, Stray, also uh, another indie uh, indie title uh, published from uh, Annapurna Interactive. That one looked actually pretty cool. That looked pretty cool. And I think it was running by at Annapurna standards. What? I think it was running at 60 FPS. It looked really smooth. Um, you couldn't tell because the whole stream was 30. Yeah, but like. I, I it felt like sixty because the the way that the characters were animated and the motion was really smooth. Oh, I'm assuming that most of these games are running at sixty frames. It's just you can't tell. Oh, we don't know. Assassin's Creed is going to run at thirty on the next gen, which is a strange. Yeah. Well, again, Assassin's Creed is a cross generation thing, so I don't think yeah. that one. We should like hedge our bets on that one. Yeah. Displaying what next gen is supposed to look like. Um, but Stray is where you play as a cat in a robot society. That looked really cool. A friend, I was that looked a friend. really weird. A friend said, "Oh, I re- I've always wanted to be to play as a cat. Now I finally can." <laughs> like, hey, I, I like this. Yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna play as a cat, you can always play cat lateral damage. I'm just saying. Also, also disclaimer: I am a kickback, uh, Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter backer for that for that so still fun time playing as a cat throwing things about <laughs> but this looks really futuristic because you're this i don't know if the cat was a cyborg because he had some seemingly augmentation stuff on him but the whole society is just robots with led screens for faces yep. it gave me some serious chappy vibes yeah um <laughs> But yeah, I, the, and then it panned out and you see the cat and then you see the title and you're like, oh, wait, so the cat is what you're playing as, not as one of the robots in this yeah. society. Oh, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Could be interesting. Uh, uh, a, you know, the, probably one of the last few um, organic creatures in this weird society. Yeah. Um, they showed a game called Destruction All Stars, which is a PvP destruction derby game. Kind of, yeah. I th- when I saw it, and the I first I thought it was a reboot of the Destruction Derby franchise. I thought it was Rocket or something like that. It looks a lot. It does remind me a lot of. Rocket yeah, League. it almost felt like a tech demo on how Destruction would work on next gen consoles. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Uh... Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Yeah. It, it it's one of those things that really is trying to crib from uh from the um, uh what's the what's the what's the Blizzard game called again? Overwatch slash yeah um uh, Fortnite kind of art style thing. Yeah. Like they're really trying to go for the personality. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, as long as the game's good, it's fine. But it's not my kind of game, so I won't buy it. I don't know. I'll. If, I mean, if there's a demo or something, I'll give it a try at the very least. But yeah. 
you know, didn't didn't re- didn't seem like my kind of jam. What did seem like my kind of jam was uh, Kenna Bridge of Spirits. That is the that's that the first game that su- completely caught me by surprise. Dude, that game is gorgeous. It looks like a Pixar animation movie. Exactly. And it's and, and maybe it's because the this, guys that started you are from the animation and the film business. I'm not gonna lie. This looks. This is the first game that I felt when I saw the action happening live. You know, because it's actual gameplay. That was next gen. That truly felt next gen. Yeah, and not the obvious next gen, but like next gen in all the ways. Not just yes. in, in uh, I don't know, pretty graphics, but like details, worlds, uh, uh, um, animation. Um, I, I, yeah, it, it, I'm still mind blown. I'm looking at it right now again. I'm like, okay, I really want to play this. I'm just afraid that this is one of those games that will come out in two years' time. Mm, yeah, this, this, this didn't have a date, did it? Nope. Um, it's developed by Ember Labs. I don't think oh, I've ever heard of that. PS5? Oh, well, it shows. But it says console exclusive for a limited time, also available on PC. Ah, okay, there we go. But still, it's nice. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, yeah. Let me see if we can find anything about the developer real quickly. It's still amazed. It just looked so, so, so nice. I think this is their first game. It could be. Oh, it says PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4. What? Yeah. And Epic Game Store. Yeah, okay. Wow. What? PS4? Hmm, Oh, they're the guys that did that thing? So a a couple of years ago, there was this um, demo reel where they showed like a high quality... uh, uh, render for uh, Majora's Masks, Legend of Zelda. Yeah, they're the guys that did that. Oh wow, that's nice. Yeah, wow. wow. Oh wow. Okay, so like the skills are there because that because that thing is amazing. Nice, especially the cute little black creatures with the big eyes. They're so cute and huggable. Mm. I kind of want a plushie of the thing. Mm, it'll probably come out. Pre-order bonus. <laughs> Um, well, they do have a figure of it on their website. Well, there you go. <laughs> House Marquee showed Returnal, which at one point I thought, okay, this also looks next gen. For example, the 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 main character's face looks pretty photorealistic, mm-hmm. but then there were other parts where I thought, man, this could run on a PS4. Mm-hmm. But it's a game. You're a, a woman in space, an astronaut. And um, you and you're pulling an edge of tomorrow. Yeah, you're stuck in this loop. You keep on dying, and you start to you're on an alien planet, and you're starting to lose yourself and, and become part of the planet because influences from the planet merge together with your body. I really got an alien vibe from it, but it could be nice. Yeah, it looked interesting. It was a third person shooter. Yeah. Um. Mass effect. And 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 apparently every time every time you at least. From what we can gather from the trailer, every time you die, the planet isn't the same. It changes with you. Yeah. So maybe procedural generated there. Yeah. Uh, This is, I think, a classic for a lot of people. Odd World Soulstorm. I played that on the PS1 at the time. That trailer was very high octane. I don't remember 
like the Oddworld series being high octane. That was really like high stakes kind of stuff. And they actually showed gameplay. There were a lot of followers following Abe. Yeah. That died gruesome, gruesome, gruesome death. Yeah, that was a... Kind of makes me wonder, why on earth would you ever follow Abe if if all that happens is if you follow him is that you die? Isn't that what a lot of leaders, that people that follow them don't know that they might actually lose their lives and the leaders sometimes don't? I guess, but is he a leader, though? Is he? Well, they made him a leader, or at least they're acting like he's a leader. Yeah. Um, This one was a surprise. It kind of reminded me of a Mario game, Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Um, mm-hmm. Co-op 3D platformer game. Not developed by Media Molecule, by the way. No, by Sumo Digital. Yeah. Yeah, and Japan Studio, I believe, also. Yep. But Wait, really? Maybe... You know, when I saw it, I thought like, okay, I played Little Big Planet one, and I, it was fun. But the problem I had with Little Big Planet is that there is so much stuff in there to, to be able to create that it's overwhelming. And I've seen amazing things being created. Because, yeah, I don't, I don't think this one has a creation feature. No, but that's what I'm trying to get. I think that that the Little Big Uni- Little Big Planet universe needs a game like this. So that people can get into touch with that and still have a, a fun experience. Because the, the second Little Big Planet, and I think also the third, there's, there should be a third Little Big Planet, every game kept adding on top of the first one. So it became more options. You could create more games and blah, 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 blah. And um, let me quickly check that. Yeah, Little Big Planet 3, it's a PS4 game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, was just, I was checking that too. Yeah. Um, it was also developed by Sumo Digital. That's funny. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they were working on dreams. Yeah, but like it's it was every game was so overwhelming, and if you're not this this really creative person that loves to create stick hours in creating their own levels or their games, it's basically not a game for you. Whereas this feels like, hey, this is something I could just enjoy with a friend on the couch or a, everybody at his place, and then we could just have a fun experience um, while we're playing this. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, as long as they don't adopt the horrible, horrible physics-based platforming that was in the original games, because that didn't honestly, I did not like that at all because it felt super floaty. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. There's no release date for it yet, I believe. Nope. And then we we get to the. The creme de la creme, and we'll save the last one, the best one for last. At least I think it's the best one, but it was also the most obvious one. So there was a Ratchet and Clank announcement, Rift Apart. Mm-hmm. Um, also looks really stylish, like a, like a Pixar animation movie. Um, I think they added a lot of destructible objects into the world, so it literally looked like you could almost destroy anything. They also added dimension hopping. Yeah, dimension hopping and... Um, I think also something with an alternate universe or it looked like that. Um, well, it seems like that was teased at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it supports ray tracing because there's ray tracing reflections on Clank's head. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like this is basically... I can't imagine this game failing because Ratchet & Clank has always been good and Insomniac knows how to make good Ratchet & Clank games. 
So I think that the game is a guaranteed hit. We just have to wait till it comes out. There's no release date for it yet. Um, another game that they're making, which they showed after GTA V, was Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Miles Morales! Oh, man, I saw that and I was like, win, like, win, done, done, done. Wow. Like, even if even if that was all they showed for me, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah put that there. Like, I haven't just, just, just give me that. Just give me before. that. Well, well, that and I'm a big Miles Morales fan, so. Ah, I didn't know. Yeah. But yeah, so um, the only vibe I got from it, or the only thing that I thought in my head when I saw it was, one, is this could definitely run on a PS4, and two, um, it feels like uh, the uh, it feels like uh, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy. Uncharted: The Lost Legacy was DLC that got out of hand because of the immense amount of content they added to it that they decided to make an expansion out of it. Yeah, I think it's the same with Breath of the Wild 2. There was so much content added to it that they decided to make a sequel out of it. This feels like the DLC that was going to be made... Lost Legacy is the one that starts Chloe, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. making sure. This yeah. feels like we. this was going to be DLC for Spider-Man 4 or to 1, and it got out of hand, and they decided to make a Miles Morales version of it, expansion. They'll probably charge you 60 bucks for it, but it kind of feels like it. I don't know. I, I, we didn't. We saw some glimpse. I don't think we saw enough of that game to even feel like if that was the case. Because yeah, I think, because I haven't finished Spider Man Five. Uh, Spider Man Five. Spider Man Five. I haven't spin it, finished Spider Man yet. But um, did like the only question I have in that one? Did that have an open or closed ending? I will not comment on that. Well, see, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, since we yeah, so since we don't know like what the deal was there, I don't know. I don't think that it was. I don't think that this is like a DLC kind of thing. Um, if you look at it, Spider Man came out in twenty eighteen. That's two mm-hmm. years of development time. Um, there wasn't a date announced for this, was there? The holiday twenty twenty. Really? Yep. Huh. That's why I get that feeling because if we kind of look at the bigger picture, let me just quickly look up the date for the other one because you know, Horizon Zero Dawn came out in 2017. Yeah, but you also have to take into account that, that they have been helping with the development of Death Stranding. So, but that's like minimal. It's not that there was a no because they had to provide the engine and. They did actual development for the game itself. Yeah, but that's not like it's not like the whole of Guerrilla worked on. No, 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 no. Of course not. Of course not. Team that did it. So like they would still have have additional resources supporting Kojima. That's what I've read online. Anyway, I mean, um, pretty Spider- much. Spider Man feels like uh, it'll probably be a good game, but it feels like DLC that got out of control and became. Um, an expansion. I don't think it's gonna. You know, it could also. It could also be just because. It could also just be that they're using the same engine but souped up for PlayStation Five. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. We'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yeah. Because then, why? Why build a new engine from scratch if you have an engine that already exists? No, but I get that part. It's just that, like, if you look at the sheer size of Spider-Man. I don't think it could be like that they built that in from two in two years time. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, and the last one, the one we kind of knew was going to happen, and they yeah. wrote it. Speak, speaking of Guerrilla Games. Yep, Horizon. Two. Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, not Zero Dawn. Sorry. What? What's the new title? Horizon Two Forbidden West. Forbidden West. Oh my gosh, nice. that looked so amazing. That looked that looked really amazing. Yep. That feels. See, that one actually felt like open world. Yep. And you know, it's it's Horizon Zero Dawn cranked up all the way to 20 mm -hmm. because it's just, it looks amazing. It feels amazing because I think they're going to discover more of America. They have like actual American landmarks in it, such as the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And um, it just, uh, there's, you can explore worlds underwater. You saw Aloy using a respirator, just swimming on the water. You saw her in all sorts of environments, running uh, on the on a, I don't know the name of the mount. She was just running through a kind of like a deserty kind of environment. Um, it's I think it's yeah. I mean, w people wouldn't expect any less. I think from from Guerrilla when they do a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, but I think like that they're focusing more on doing more in the world this time. There's also mm -hmm. more life in the world because in the last game you. For example, you saw crabs, you saw fish. It feels like there's more going on in the world. Basically, the story is that there's this kind of a infection or this this red strain of something going through the world and corrupting. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's people. the corruption from the first game, but it seems like... Uh, dang, what's his name again? Um, Hades? Hmm? Hades? No, no, not Hades. We destroyed Hades. Oh yeah, yeah, but like they're hinting. No, at... the guy that the the guy that guided you to Hades. Cipher. Thank you. He yeah. is the one who's behind this crap. I don't know. Yeah, because you see in the trailer that um, that some followers are like corrupting machines. Yeah. With the same stuff that corrupted Hades. I by the so way, I think so. I think he found the source of that corruption, or a new source of that corruption, and he's now like in charge. You, like, he's trying to destroy the world for some weird, stupid reason. You do know that in Horizon Zero Dawn, at the end, at the after credit scene, Cypher captures Hades in, like, a container, right? Oh, yeah. I for, wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, he does kind of, does he? Well, yeah. he didn't capture Hades himself. I think he captured the virus. He, he Hades kind of left some... He's like shot out of something and then right, and then he yeah, captured him in that thing. Yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right, you're right, 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 right. Yeah, it wasn't a virus, it was 80. Yeah. yeah, I initially thought it was maybe something uncharted because I gave a kind of an uncharted vibe when the trailer starts, but then you hear Aloy and you're like, Yeah, this is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm -hmm. I, and you know what? What I, I think a lot of people, I think that's the big takeaway from this reveal is that a lot of people expect next gen games to be photorealistic. And mm -hmm. I think, I think, yes, we will definitely get that. But I think that one thing that we will see more of, more than photorealistic is more detail. So like you saw it in Godfall, you saw it in Horizon Zero Dawn. The world is far more believable because there is so much detail in it. Like in the water segment, the, the underwater segment looks so detailed. You see coral, you see fish and all different kinds of sea animals swimming and it's all sharp and detailed. There's no weird, blurry textures, or they're not trying to make it look pretty. It is actually pretty. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to like the third party games that we saw because odds are they'll either appear on PC or on uh, Xbox as well. Yeah. Um, but the ones that do showed it like it's exclusive or timed exclusive, or if it was from PlayStation itself or one of their development studios, which wow. By the way, they showed that PlayStation Studio logo a lot. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking at the Horizon trailer in 4K now because the stream was 1080p. Oh, they have it in 4K? Yeah, I think they have everything in 4K. It looks really amazing in 4K. Wow. I don't have a 4K panel to look at it. so I can tell you it is amazing. That one was a pre-rendered cutscene, a uh, pre-rendered uh, trailer, though. So yeah, but I think it's in engine. I don't. I don't think it will be a lot at the begin. The end product won't be off a lot from what we're seeing right now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm assuming it won't be. No, um, no, 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 no. Let's get this straight. It will not. <laughs> it, it, sure, dude. Let me put it this way: If you look at how Death Stranding looks on a PS4 and a PS4 mm-hmm. Pro, then you definitely mm-hmm. know that this will definitely be what they're showing us to be. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, That and that was basically it. As I said, I think that Sony did a great job of providing a mix between indie and triple uh, A. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, maybe less vague, strange games next time. Yeah, <laughs> or at least give a bit more context. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 So I think we're both in agreement that the thing that unexpectedly blew us away was Kenna. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I think and, like, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is, I think we both knew going into this that it was going to be shown. Yeah. Um, so it was like a, a sure thing. Um, and I think Kenna was a really, really nice surprise. A little big devil or little devil inside or whatever it's called yeah that one is looks 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 funkadelic yeah Yeah. um the the house marquee game returnal looks interesting interesting um like if i were to say like will i buy all the games sony showed no but that's no yeah yeah i mean like i said i'm not a gt guy i mean sure I mean, they had the like the obligatory stuff that they had to have. They had to have first party games, which they did. They had to have a racing game, which they did in GT. They had to have a uh, sports game, which they chose to partner with uh, 2K in this case. So they had that. They had the the, the uh, NBA 2K. Um, I'm just looking at this trailer, and it looks just it looks so amazing. And um, I think, at least in terms of obligatory stuff, we saw it. And then we saw, of course, the sequel stuff. The, on- the only thing that was a remake was Demon Souls. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people are happy considering that that was probably going to be an exclusive. Um, so, yeah. Um, the only thing I can say is, um, as we wrap up, um, way better than what Microsoft did. Yeah. So uh, they've yeah. got their work cut out for them in j- July. Um, we finally saw the, the, the consoles and, uh, which we didn't expect. We, at the best, at most, we thought we were only going to see one box and that's it. But we saw two, we saw a variation of the, of the, of the, of the console itself. One with a disc, disc drive, one without, 
we saw accessories which I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, games that we weren't expecting, games that we did expect, games that we were hoping to see. And you know, the holidays is all around the corner, so we're gonna see more and more going from this point onward. I I honestly can't wait for it to be holiday twenty twenty because I just I really just wanna sink my teeth into this all. I, the only thing that I'm missing right now is like uh, a killer exclusive that you definitely want to play on day one. And Spider Man might be that, but I'm I'm not like for example when the PS4 came out, my game that I really wanted to play on day one was Kills on Shadowfall, mm. and uh, uh, Watch Dogs, but that one got got postponed. And I'm seeing a lot of amazing games. I would love Horizon Zero Dawn to be that game or Horizon Forbidden West to be that game, but that's not going to happen, I think. Yeah, I don't uh, think so either. Yeah, so like, it looks like it's it's going to have to be Spider-Man other, or Sony has to kind of show up all other all first-party games out of a... They have to pull them out of a hat. Um, I'll probably go and play Ghost of Tsushima because... Um, you know, what Sony did in the meanwhile is that they changed their certification process... So after, I believe, July 13th or July 15th, if you release a game or you you submit a game for certification to Sony, um, that game needs to support PS5. Uh, So it needs to be PS5 compatible. Um, Every game that is submitted before July 13th um, can get a patch or doesn't necessarily have to have that uh, PS5 support. Um, The funny thing is, is that both Last of Us 2 and... Uh, Ghost of Tsushima are being submitted before that date, um, but being Sony games, they will probably get the support. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> and I mean, like, if Ghost of Tsushima looks amazing, because I said this last time, with Ghost of Tsushima, I really had the idea this could be a PS5 launch game. And mm. honestly, I kind of hope it, they do something special for it. They'll probably do something for The Last of Us. Um, yeah, would the upcoming months and weeks will have a lot of events. So we'll just have to wait and see if something else pops up in there that we just really, really want to play. Yeah. Good on you, Sony. You, uh, you, you impressed me. You impressed me. It did, it did not disappoint, which I honestly still felt like it might disappoint, but it did not. So, uh, I, I think that Microsoft will, uh, will probably try to, one up them, one up them, and make their ones like so. They'll maybe say, "Okay, we also have two boxes, and we also have a release date, and on top of that, we have a prize." Booyah! And now it's up to you, Sony. I don't think, I don't think we're gonna see price from Microsoft. To mm, be I don't honest, think so they, I think they're gonna wait it out until Sony announces it, and then they're gonna undercut Sony. Yeah, I think that's what they're kind of going the for. But only way they—that's gonna be interesting because since they now showed that they have two boxes. Which one are you going to undercut? The one with or without a disc? Oh, they'll probably do the same strategy. They'll probably say, okay, okay, we need to sh- oh, we need to take out the disc drive. Ah, why didn't we think of this? Or they'll just say, well, we have the Xbox Series X, but we also have the Xbox Series S. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the rumors that have been going around. And right now, that's all we have. So who knows? Yeah. Um, cool. Then I guess, uh, do you have anything else to add? Because I'm, I think I'm pretty much, uh, 
That's I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just pretty excited. I can't wait. I just want to get my hands on a PS5. I'm I'm not. I was initially thinking I'll get the digital edition. I don't. I'm not sure yet. I hope that the digital edition has more space. But I don't do keep know. in mind that considering the way it was set up, I don't think you can actually put this on a horizontal mode. Oh, that's okay. I have my PS4 Pro on a stand as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, better airflow. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess that's if if you don't have anything else, I guess that's it. Why um, take us out? Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this extra long episode of Game Rivals. Um, yeah, PlayStation decided to to do the review, so we had to we had to cover it. You know that we had to. Um, and it was big, so thank you for uh, sticking with us. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can always find us, as always, uh, at our at our home at Anchor, but you can also find us uh, on any other uh, podcasting service. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Google Podcasts, is I guess it's called now. Um, you can find us on Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Pocket Cast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, if you have any feedback, uh, we appreciate it. You can always send us feedback uh, at GameRivalsFeedback at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us feedback through our Twitter, which is at Game underscore Rivals underscore. You can send me feedback on Twitter, which is at Maximilian. We also have a Instagram where uh, we do our best to uh, post whenever we're going to upload or anything interesting pops up in our feed, which is at GameRivals, all one word. Um, you can also leave us a voice message. The link is in the description of the episode. Um, you don't need an account at Anchor. You can just click on the link, send us a voice message, and we might even feature on one of our episodes. You can also... Uh, wow, did I forget something? Um, oh, right. You can also follow our stuff on YouTube. Uh, we will be uploading more stuff there regularly. You might also catch some highlights of episodes. Um, so if you feel like you want to watch... Uh, uh, you, we want something to watch on YouTube. We'll do that as well. We'll also feature some uh, some conversations on there as well outside of the episodes of the podcast. And I think that is about it. Sean Templar, do yeah. you have anything else to say to the lovely audience? People better start saving their monies and get ready to buy a PS5 because that's the place to be for next gen. Ooh, ooh them's his fighting words. I hope the Xbox fans... Uh, don't have our heights for that one. <laughs> if they if they do what they sh- did with the inside Xbox, we PlayStation fans have nothing to worry about. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah, so the ball's in Microsoft's court now. Yeah. So cool. And with that, I am Maximilian X, and I'm a super excited John Templar. And we're signing off, and have a good one. <laughs>